to get your name in the hat, this is kind of the coolest part about it. You don't have to be an influencer. You don't have to be a celebrity. You don't have to be anybody but a hunter. When guys get selected for this show, whether they have one year experience or 20 years experience, like at the end of the day, they're kind of competing against themselves. I mean, I'll just tell you, Lucas, last year you would have had a 33% chance to be on the show. <laughs> That's how many applications we had. I do know that we have an absolute blast and it's a hunt and an experience that no one will ever, you know, probably be able to match. You've got a professional videographer that's following you around. You have a chance to win a matchup and win a bunch of gear. We had crispy boots, black ovas pants, canvas cutters, solo stoves, um, prime bows uh, for the winners last year of the matchups. And it was enough to drive guys to hunt as hard as they've ever hunted. And that is, that is what we wanted. to the RNA Outdoors podcast hosted by Lucas Paw. Our purpose is to help educate and inspire within you a renowned passion for the outdoors. So join us as we speak with experts in the industry to share insight and knowledge that helps make hunters and anglers more successful. Thanks for tuning in and welcome listeners to the show. Hey, it's Lucas Paw, and you are listening to the RNA Outdoors podcast. And I am excited today uh, to bring you a new episode. So, you know, this time of year, typically we're filling the halls and in exhibit halls and, and going to shows. And unfortunately, uh, a lot of that just didn't happen this year. So, um, that gave us all an opportunity to kind of reflect and and maybe get out in the field and do some different things that uh, we normally would or wouldn't do uh, in the in kind of the winter time. So it's been a little bit different for us this year, but I think we're all uh, kind of figuring all that out. So anyway, like I said, excited to uh, bring you all a new show today. Wanted to kind of tee it up with talking about you know thinking about most of us you know have some type of competitive nature to our personalities. Uh, I think it's kind of part of the reason maybe for the why and why we hunt uh, internally I think we all have a drive you know to do better or maybe you know let's say in your season last year if you harvested a cow elk uh, your goal this year uh, is to maybe harvest a bull and to me that's a competitive nature and really a lot of us have that kind of that drive to excel uh, each year but to me uh, you know hunting is very much a progression and you know I think everyone is at different stages um, to that progression right some are willing to eat a tag if they they don't find what they're looking for uh, and I've been in that boat many times or others are you know willing to harvest right at the first attempt and I think that's what really makes um, you know what we do and what we love uh, so special so anyway a little spin on that so think about uh, this competition where you're matched up head to head or potentially in pairs with someone else you may or may not know um, on a level playing field, uh, in a, potentially in an undisclosed location, um, you have seven days uh, to get it done with virtually zero prep or scouting time. So it's kind of a, a, a lot there to take in, but um, definitely, again, kind of a different spin on competition. Well, um, you know, today I'm excited uh, to have uh, Troy Gokritz on with Hunt Wars, uh, and he is spinning this narrative, uh, and I'm excited uh, to have him on the show today. So, Troy, welcome to the show, man. Lucas, uh, thank you for having me. That was, uh, that was a great intro. Like, uh, out of all the podcasts I've done, that was a really, really good intro to kind of what Hunt Wars is. Yeah, man. Um, just... 
again, excited to, to talk about this. Um, you know, just real quick, I'll kind of lay a little bit of foundation. I know we connected here, um, here recently and, and, uh, I know your, your concept you're going to talk about is, I wouldn't say, um, hot off the press, uh, but it's relatively newer and, and you wanted to connect and, and just kind of talk more about it. And, and as I've read more about it and, and, uh, just really found it fascinating at kind of what your concept and what you're doing is. So maybe what you could do, Troy, is just maybe lay some of that framework and, and uh, groundwork for everyone just to understand kind of what Hunt Wars is. Yeah. So you kind of hit it right on the head. You know, how many times have you left the trailhead the same time as some other group or you got back into your spot and found another camp or, you know, you uh, decided to go up a new canyon and found boot tracks on the on the trail ahead of you. And you've you've always, you know, in the back of my mind, it's always like, all right, I guess it's us versus them. And we'll see who can get it done, who can go farther, who can be more strategic, who can, you know, um, strategize and use our skill set that we've been able to uh, accumulate over these years of experience and and be successful uh, in public land hunts and like you said um the that's kind of the preface for hunt wars and so when you talk about a hunt and, and you talk about hunting and competition every time that we step in the field i know that we don't feel like hey we're against the other hunters we're, we're against, you know, ourselves and it's kind of more of a golf mentality. That's kind of what hunter hunter hunt wars is, is a level playing field. We've gone out and got some really awesome, um, landowner, uh, tags that you're actually hunting on public, uh, land and you don't know where you're going until about a week before your hunt, you'll know the unit. So you get some Intel that way and some e-scouting in. But most of our uh, hunt athletes is what we call them. They have never, all of them have never stepped foot in their hunt unit until a day before the hunt. And we give each team one day of scouting when they get to camp and they get to go out and, and peruse the area and get ready for their seven day competition. And then we have our film crew in camp. We have our chef, we have everything set up for them um, throughout the, the, the hunt to be successful on that end where they don't have to think about food or, you know, gear or this or that. And they, uh, they go out and compete as hard as they can. And the whole goal with this is to see and prove that guys will hunt harder, knowing that there's something more than just the end result that we normally have hunting and do it in a fun atmosphere, you know, do it in a fun, um, meeting new people in camp atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I could just imagine being, you know, maybe someone who is more of a novice hunter and someone who, you know, like you say, maybe is very skilled, but to be able to show up to a location and have, from what I understand, you can explain it more, have tags, licenses taken care of, food, drinks, essentially lodging with with however the accommodations are set up and some gear. I mean, that kind of sounds like a pretty good deal to either someone who again has hunted for a long time or maybe someone who's only just started hunting here in the last few years so i don't know maybe you could speak to kind of what's included in all this or maybe even before that how would someone what would they do to actually get um you know their name in the hat for something like this yeah so it all kind of started back when, you know, I watched a really cool show um, back in the day, and I think they're still doing it. I don't know. It's the, I think it's the Kiefer Brothers, but they do a, a show called Dropped, where they were dropped off in an area in Alaska, and they had – the one I saw was in Alaska, and they had to kind of not survive, but they were, they were hunting, and they were, they were, you know, trying to kill a moose, and I think they were trying to get to another location. And I thought, what a cool concept, but what if you, you know, put a spin on it and you did it where – Every everybody had a chance to draw the hunt and everybody, you know, you randomly draw teams and you put these guys in areas that they've never been before. And then you see where, you know, how successful they can be because Instagram and social media platforms have kind of made it where now you can post a picture of your bull, which we all love to see. And you can tell your own backstory, whether that's true or not true. Like that's really what it is. And you don't, you can tell, you know, maybe you scouted for months and months and months and you knew that area. But if you kind of took all that out of play and you said, we'll supply the tags, we'll supply the food, 
Wilson Private Camp. We have Davis Tents as our sponsor. We went out and got a bunch of cool gear sponsors to set up camp, peak refuels for, you know, if you're going to go spike out. And we've given these guys the opportunity to show up and really test their skills in a new area um, with archery equipment or rifles. We've got kind of all different types of competitions. And so to get your name in the hat, this is kind of the coolest part about it. You don't have to be an influencer. You don't have to be a celebrity. You don't have to be anybody but a hunter. And what we do is we do a random selection. So you go to huntwarriors.com, you hit apply, and you pay $100 to enter your team. And that puts you in the hat for our drawing. We do our drawing in mid-June, and we have 12 teams for season two. Um, last year we drew, um, six teams and then we did a dedicated, um, an actual celebrity hunt that we added on later, but we selected six random teams last year. We had four archery elk teams and two mule deer teams. And then we did a celebrity matchup, which was Aaron, which we call a brand matchup, which is Aaron, um, Snyder of Kafaru versus South Cox of stalker stick bows, which I know South is from. California, I think, or Nevada, right out there somewhere. Northern California. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was cool uh, to have those guys in camp, but our first season was New Mexico unit 16 C. We bought all the tags. We've set up camp and we had the hunters show up and we had teams. We had an inexperienced matchup, which we had two teams that uh, had less than five years experience hunting elk and they matched up. So, you know, one question I often get is, okay, what if I am not, you know, a seasoned hunter? And if you're randomly drawn, we do our best to match you up against another, you know, unseasoned hunter so that the matchup actually makes sense. And then the second matchup of our archery elk hunts last year were two really experienced teams, one from Colorado and one from uh, Montana. And they were just, you know, two brothers and two buddies, two brothers from Montana that are construction guys. And two buddies that are, you know, do a little of this and that in Colorado. And, and we matched those guys up and it was an absolute riot. Like we had so much fun in elk camp. These guys had to learn the terrain, learn the different calling techniques, learn, you know, how to hunt water as opposed to not hunting water um, where they were from. It put them kind of in an element that they weren't used to. And we, videoed and captured all of that and kind of put it into our show. So our shows, you know, educational, exciting, fun to watch and it's new personalities, every matchup. Wow. That's, that's super cool. So, so you guys did season one last year and uh, you kind of went through, I'd say maybe more of your inaugural year and you had a, a, a few elk hunts, a, a few deer hunts, and then the, the celebrity hunt. And so, so kind of based on that, so now you talk about, you know, coming into season two where you're talking about featuring 12 teams, um, obviously more than last year. What, what all opportunities or hunts are you guys providing this year um, versus what you guys um, provided last year? Um, so, yeah, and, and another great question that, that I often get. So this year we've even added a few more hunts. I mean, I love, I'm an, I'm an archery elk lover i love archery elk season so we will always do archery elk we've got a little spin on it this year so last year um our season one was a just a pure two-on-two competition and the scoring metric was the total gross score of the animal that they harvested the age of the animal gave them an additional double point so if, if a bull was five years old we had them aged Mm-hmm. Then they got an additional 10 points added to their score. Okay. And then the third metric, which actually I really loved, was shot yardage. And, you know, with guys shooting way out to 100 yards these days, we actually wanted to do kind of the reverse of that, and we penalize guys for taking longer shots. So zero to 40 yards, which is our everybody's kind of sweet spot, was a zero-point deduction. If they took a, a shot from 41 to 60 yards, then they got a 10 point deduction. If they took a shot from 61 to 80 yards, they got a 20 point deduction and anything over 80 yards was a 30 point deduction on their score. Okay. So even though they tagged out 
and they had a good score, you know, of a bowl and it was a mature bowl. If they shot it from a distance, they got penalized from it. It was a farther distance. And that proves truly who is the best caller, hunter, you know, skill set. And that's what we wanted to kind of bring to light. So that was kind of the first season scoring metrics. And we did that for our mule deer and for our elk matchups. In season two, we actually added an antelope hunt. So now we'll have two teams that will be antelope hunting. And we are going to actually do a really cool speed round on speed goats. So instead of the score being just who can kill the largest, we're actually going to set a minimum that is about the average or a little above average scoring antelope for that unit. And the team that can actually tag out first above that score will win that matchup. So it's actually kind of a speed round, but you have to shoot a minimum size antelope. So that's okay. that's the antelope matchup. We then decided to go ahead and do king of the camp is what we're calling it for our elk hunts for season two. And how we'll, we'll feature that is all four teams will show up. They'll hunt the same week, the same unit. So they'll have the same rut, the same weather, the same general public to deal with, and it will be all four teams against each other. So not just you're not just against one other team; you're against three other teams, and it's whoever can can uh, prevail in that seven day window and and score the most points. Um, and then our mule deer matchups this year are going to be rifle mule deer matchups, and they will be the the traditional two versus two um matchups like we did last year but it, we're we're adding that rifle instead of that archery like we did last year mm-hmm. um so those will be rifle permits and then we have a fast and furious duck hunt that will be two teams going and competing in a two or three day duck hunt which will be an accumulation of points on species limits shots missed um and we'll have a fun, you know, kind of fast and furious round of duck hunting to kind of end out season two. Wow. So busy schedule. Um, sounds like you've added the antelope hunt um, and then added the additional elk hunts and in the in the duck hunt in December. That so kind of rounds out kind of in August to December. Um, so what that provides is is obviously more opportunities for folks that are applying uh, but also more content for you, which is, I think, you know, kind of how these things go. And as they grow, um, they get bigger and bigger. And, you know, like you said, you probably almost doubled what you provided from season one to season two. So, so that's pretty exciting. Um, kind of just talking about, you know, competition and, you know, I think about like some of the tags I've drawn, I've drawn some really good tags. I've, I've elk hunted in New Mexico and I've, you know, I'm antelope hunted, you know, all over the West and mule deer hunted, and I've had some really good tags, really good coveted tags. And there's always a, there's always an element of pressure associated with them anyway. Um, like last year I drew a Nevada deer tag and I had 10 points that I burned, you know, and, and, uh, so yeah. I had high expectations, right. And I ended up, you know, shooting a mid to high one sixties class deer. It was mm-hmm. the best deer that I saw. And I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't happy with it, but, um, at the end of the day, you know, it is what it is, but we tend to put internal pressure on ourselves, right? And when I talk about that progression where everyone's at, but then I also think about, you know, someone who is probably only been doing this for maybe two to three years, right? And throws their name in the hat and they get selected and their buddy and them are going to go hunt with, you know, three other teams in New Mexico on an archery elk hunt, you know, essentially on public lands. Um, is there any, um, in terms of kind of how you line folks up to ensure that I, I wouldn't say it's fair, but the fairness to me, as you talked about, it's all going to be kind of on a level playing field. So, you know, there's really not a lot of time to scout. There's really not a lot of time to prepare for the hunt, but what could someone, or what could somebody do to maybe prepare for something if they weren't as I would say, maybe, um, as a skilled hunter is some that may, um, you know, that like I say, have been doing this for a long time and heck you could put them anywhere and they'd figure it out. I don't know if you have any feedback there or comments on that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, last year when we did a random drawing, um, it ended up being, you know, where we had a couple of teams that were a little newer to hunting and a couple teams that were, you know, more experienced. And so it was kind of naturally, we just kind of, match those teams up so that everybody felt confident in, you know, the hunt that they were going into. Um, 
the funny thing is, is you think about this and you think about, you know, and, and not to play spoiler or anything on our episodes, cause they're going to be starting to come out here at the beginning of March. But, um, you know, when guys get selected for this show, whether they have one year experience or 20 years experience, like at the end of the day, they're kind of competing against themselves. And there were plenty of opportunities where guys would have won matchups if they just would have, well, one, one or two of the matchups would have just shot an animal. Didn't have to be a 400 inch bull. It didn't have to be like, I think once you, you know, you see the episode, you're like, holy cow, if these guys would have just shot that raghorn, they would have won. Um, and I think that sometimes we do get wrapped up in, Oh, I've got to go to that next level. And a lot of the hunts that we go on, they're not like, you know, they're not like three, they're not chasing 350, you know, to 400 inch bulls, but these are units that are going to take, could take guys, you know, they have less than a 2% or less than a 1% chance to draw. And so we wanted to give them an opportunity to draw our tags and probably be a little better odds than that. Like last year, mm-hmm. I mean, I'll just tell you, Lucas, last year you would have had a 33% chance to be on the show. It's pretty <laughs> That's good odds. Applications we had. So <laughs> I'll take those odds. We didn't have a ton, and everybody always thinks that it'll never be me. And then next thing you know, your name comes out of the hat and – you'll hear the guys talk about it on season one. They're like, you know, I applied because it's a hundred bucks. Like, you know, it's not going to take food off the table. It's less than what you usually put in for, you know, to put in for an out of state tag anywhere Mm -hmm. in the West anyway. And so for them to come out, they have all their food. Basically the only thing that's not covered in season two is them driving out there or flying. However, they choose to get to camp, but gotcha. um, everything else is covered. We have gas and camp. I mean, we think of everything, gas and firewood and tents and food. And I mean, we have an absolute riot and it's really fun because all the teams go out and compete really hard all day long. And then what we do is we have them all come back. And it seems like it's just a really fun atmosphere at camp with new new guys, you know, getting to know each other and becoming friends around the campfire and sharing, you know, stories and just that camaraderie that comes with hunting. Mm-hmm. You can still be competitive and still be, you know, have a good time. Like that's what yeah. the show is all about. I think that that's pretty neat. I mean, and I can think of how many times I've been out and, and I've met just some of the best people in the world. And I, and I truly think the best people in the world are in the, you know, the hunting and the outdoor industry, right? They're just all really good people. Um, but, um, when you were kind of talking back to, um, you know, how we, you know, I'm one of those guys that applies and, you know, 15 of the Western States, I have a lot of points in various States and States like New Mexico. I just apply every year because I want to get dumb lucky and try to draw a tag. But, you know, let's say um, in potentially one of the states that, um, let's say I was to apply and get awarded a mule deer tag in October, and uh, at the same time I drew, let's say, a Utah, you know, general license or something, how would that work for someone who's already maybe has an application or maybe already potentially drew a tag and then maybe gets on the show? How, how would that scenario work? Yeah, we haven't had that happen, obviously, yet, but I've kind of thought through that. I mean, you know, I, I think of it this way. If if we, let's say that you drew a New Mexico deer tag, and let's say you also drew for the Hunt Wars New Mexico, you know, hunt. Let's say that New Mexico is the tag, and, and that's the, the hunt that you got drawn for for Hunt Wars. First off, we would see if your mule deer tag is okay to swap out for a landowner most most states will allow you to turn back in your tag now i know sometimes it's you know like at a little bit of a discount i think you get like maybe 80 percent back sometimes Mm -hmm. and we would just kind of coordinate with that hunting group and say listen you know this is what it is you drew if if we can't move them or you know if if the worst case scenario happens that they have to turn their tag back in and maybe eat a couple hundred bucks or a hundred bucks, but go on hunt wars. That's why we actually decided to cover the cost of the tap, the licenses. So we reimburse the guys. Once they buy their licenses, we reimburse them for that. So that there is literally no expense, Um, you know? And so if you drew a New Mexico tag, turn it back in, only got 80% of your money back. 
we then bought you your license for hunt wars you really you're out 200 bucks but now you're on the show gotcha and you're you're in a unit that's going to be you know a really good unit um the guys are going to be chasing some awesome mule deer and uh and i think it's just going to be an absolute blast so I'm sure we'll cross that bridge some point where somebody's drawn a tag and also they get drawn for hunt wars and we'll do our best. You know, we moved, we moved one team off the mule deer or elk and onto the mule deer hunt last year because they felt more comfortable doing mule deer. When we drew them, we're like, Hey, we drew you for the elk tag, but they're, they're like, Hey, we, we feel a little more comfortable hunting mule deer. So we accommodated that and we'll do that as much as we can because we want people to feel comfortable and confident and excited um, and so that's why we do an interview process once we draw all the names. So just being drawn doesn't, doesn't necessarily guarantee you being on the show. Mm-hmm. We do an interview process and make sure the hunt dates and the hunt works for you. And if for some reason it doesn't work out, then we just refund your hundred bucks and we draw a new name out of the hat. Gotcha. Okay. So maybe we can just kind of go through the process and you've done a great job kind of outlining it. So someone could go online right now, apply for a hundred bucks, put their name in the hat. Okay. And then come, I think you said June, pick the names. Okay. So let's say, um, Lucas's name gets pulled out of the hat. So what would I expect next or how would that process work from kind of that June timeframe? Let's say I was doing an archery elk hunt in September, right? That basically gives me, um, you know, two, two and a half months to prepare. What, what are you guys telling, um, your participants at that point? Yeah. So nice part is, is if you follow us on Instagram, you're going to see, we do giveaways every week. So you're applying not only for the hunt, like the actual team hunting competition, but you're also applying for every giveaway. So we, uh, we're giving away like, um, this week, uh, it's Onyx VIP memberships. Last week, it was $200 worth of peak refuel. The week before it was sheep feet, um, orthotics. Like we, we try to keep everybody engaged and excited. You know, that I always say the best and the worst day of the year is when you find out if you've drawn or you have it. And then you're just in depression after that, <laughs> or you're, you're elated. And so what we wanted to do is kind of keep everybody engaged. So as you put in, when you apply for Hunt Wars, you apply for all the giveaways and we give something away every week. So it gives you something to look forward to every week of application of the application period. And then mid-June, We'll be drawing the teams, and we'll do that live. We'll put 12, 12 spots up on the board. We'll draw 12 teams. Um, guys can tune in live and see that their name's been drawn or hasn't. And then we immediately start reaching out to those teams and set up um, their phone interviews, their Zoom calls to make sure they're the right fit and that they you know, can make the hunt work. And at that point, um, you'll immediately get a new prime bow if you're an archery hunter that you'll be shooting on the season. So we actually have a really great sponsor in prime and they're going to uh, supply bows for each one of the guys to shoot for two and a half months before they show up for three months, I guess is kind of mid June, July, August, September. So three months they get to shoot those prime bows um, for their elk hunt. And um, we, uh, we immediately, whatever gear that we have sponsored that needs to get out to them, we, we immediately ship that out to them. Um, they will then be, you know, we'll go through the process of expectations, which are as you're getting ready for the hunt, Lucas, like I love, you know, today, even I watched you post something about you running up and down the, the giant hill on the coast. And I'm thinking like that type of stuff is really cool for guys to, to be following along the teams that are chosen. So mm-hmm. we'll have each team kind of, Hey, post your shooting, your workouts, uh, send it to us and we'll post that on the hot wars page. So the guys can kind of keep tabs on the contestants for season two. Okay. Yeah. So there's, so there's a little bit of a, I would say, uh, maybe peer pressure there a little bit, which can come with, with any of these, you know, and June's a great time. Cause a lot of times, you know, for those that are applying in most States, you're, you know, you're typically, you know, May, June, July, you're figuring out what tags you're drawing. So that typically yeah. is the motivational time of the year where someone's like, uh, I just drew a sheep tag in uh, Idaho. <laughs> that means I probably need to get my butt in shape. So June's, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> June seems like, um, you know, a great time to kind of award those. And, um, so, 
so maybe fast forward that. So, so that happens, you, you notify the participants, um, you do the interviews. Okay. So at that point, let's say you lock in the contestants for, for where they're going to go. What happens on, I would say day one, when your contestants show up to elk camp in 16 C in New Mexico, I mean, what, what is it they should be expecting or, or, or what is it they're going to come actually into? Because I'm sure there's a lot of questions. Now, how does all this work? Yeah. Do I need to bring my gear? It sounds like you provide them yeah. a bow. But what happens when they show up to elk camp? Yeah, so even just, just rewind even a tad bit more. So we do have an awesome sponsorship with Onyx and an awesome sponsorship with Hunt and Fool. And Hunt and Fool signs them a mentor um, or an expert and they will give download them with as much information as they can on the unit so that they can be e-scouting that unit for the next three months. They're not allowed to step foot in it, but they can e-scout it. Mm-hmm. And we'll capture kind of a lot of, I want to capture some of that this season um, because I think it's important for people as they're getting ready to go hunt a new unit. Uh, that's probably one of the most asked questions is what do I do when I draw a new unit or what do I do when I, you know, want to go find a new unit because mine's, you know, packed with people. And this is going to kind of show that skill set in, you know, naturally. But then um, about a week or two before camp, we send them an Onyx, you know, waypoint and camp is all set up for them. We've already been talking to them pretty much every week. We have a call with all the contestants and, you know, how is everything feeling? How are you guys thinking, you know, feeling about the area and the unit? And have you found some new, you know, new areas? Have you called around? Have you done this? And so we kind of check in with them pretty much, you know, multiple times a week. And so they're, they're in the loop on what gears provided as opposed to what gear they need to bring. And um, as this show grows, I never wanted us and the sponsorships to hold back how many teams we can do a year. And so as the show's grown, you know, you got 12 teams, which is 24 guys coming out to hunt. We're going to put a lot more emphasis on the prize packs and a little less emphasis on the gear that's actually provided in camp for them. And that that also, you know, kind of bodes well for the contestants so they can use their own gear. Everybody's mm-hmm. comfortable and knows what, you know, what they what what gear they are going to be bringing and what they need for that hunt. And so we do supply a little bit of a help gear list like, hey, these are some things that you probably want, you know, to think about bringing. But for the most part, uh, they'll be able to bring all their own gear. And it just seems like the hunts, uh, it keeps the teams more individualized. And as weird as that sounds, you watch a hunting TV show and everybody's in the same camo. Everybody's wearing the same, you know, um, uh, bino harness and the same optics. And it kind of gets, a, you, you lose personalities a little bit in that. Mm-hmm. And I never want to lose that with this show. And so... You know, if somebody's wearing Cryptek and somebody's wearing Sitka, like, good on them. Like, cool for those brands to get, you know, you know, uh, uh, looked at for during our show. And mm-hmm. we've kind of reached out to most of the, the manufacturers and said, hey, we're doing the show and we have guys on our show that are going to be with your gear. And nobody's really, you know, objected to it. So um, that's kind of been a really cool thing. But, yeah, you show up to camp. Um, we usually have you show up a day or two early. Um, you'll know exactly the time and day you need to be there. You'll know the place you need to be. We'll be ready for you. We usually have them come into camp and we start filming immediately. Um, a lot of the times we'll send a GoPro to them so we can capture some of the excitement of them driving out to the area. And then uh, and then we have the cameraman right in camp uh, that will be filming background, um, like kind of stories of who they are, what occupation they have, what family they have, just so that we get to know the contestants, you know, throughout the episode. And then from there, um, they, we turn them loose and let them go scout for the day. And, uh, we've got Baku bikes in camp this year. So they'll be able to zip around on the Baku e-bikes, um, if they want. Um, we've just got, you know, cool stuff. They bring their own vehicles, we haven't got the Polaris sponsorship yet. I'm working on that one, but for right now they do, they can either bring a razor or a truck. It's kind of up to them. And that way they, they kind of are comfortable with their own stuff. So gotcha. that's kind of what to expect. And then we come back and we have a giant sweet dinner and we all get excited for the next morning and, and then it's on, it's game on, you know, yeah. comes up. Now that sounds neat. You know, when you talk about, kind of the authenticity of 
hunters and kind of what makes people who they are a lot of it is it's it is the gear and it's what you like and and what you tested and what you use and and i think that's what makes um the industry so advanced and what it has been because there's so many companies pushing each other. So example, you know, if you guys get a bunch of loophole optics, right. And range finders, well, if I'm archery elk hunting, I want to have, you know, my Leica range finder, both in my binoculars, but also my, my handheld, right. If I'm using yeah. a new setup that I've never used before, I'm going to have to get used to that. Right. So being yeah. able to individualize some of it, I think it is one to your point, it does make it more authentic, but it also, um, you know, that's what folks are used to now. Does it put everyone on the same playing field? There may be someone that shows up that doesn't have any of that stuff. Right. Or is still using, um, you know, um, maybe lower end camouflage and, you know, has maybe, you know, some, some cheap binoculars. So that could be the best thing, right. For somebody like that. So I, I think, I think that's pretty neat that, that you guys, um, you know, provide the gear like that and, and give everyone that, that opportunity to, uh, to have that. I think that's pretty cool. So. Yeah. And actually just to add to that, we, you know, you talk about like a lot of the outfitters get giant discounts off of stuff. Well, Instead of us going and, and you know asking companies to, to to throw in you know thirty two sets of camo or something, what we're trying to do is we're going to go out to companies and say, hey, four Hump Wars contestants, which is twenty you know twenty four guys, can you give us like a heavy discount? You know, even better than anybody else that they mm-hmm. can go buy gear for their hunt, and so. That's actually, I think, even worked better because then guys get to kind of pick and choose and they get to kind of go on a little shopping spree that they would never have that type of discount. And the companies still feel really good about, you know, they're not totally out that gear. So yeah, it does. It gives a, and, and we're securing a lot of that this year. And then, like I said, the prize packs were cool last year. We did prime bows in the prize packs last year. And that was mainly just because we didn't have um, enough time to get the bows in the guy's hands to shoot. Mm-hmm. And so this year we're going to try it. We're going to try the archery hunts for the, the, this fall for the elk hunts and see how it works. See the prime bows going out, um, and seeing guys then shooting their prime bows. And we're just kind of testing stuff as we go. And, and I don't think I have all the answers, but I do know that we have an absolute blast and it's a hunt and an experience that no one will ever, you know, probably be able to match. You've yeah. got a professional videographer that's following you around. You have a chance to win a matchup and win a bunch of gear. We had crispy boots, black ovis pants, canvas cutters, solo stoves, um, prime bows uh, for the winners last year of the matchups. And it was enough to drive guys to hunt as hard as they've ever hunted. And that is, that is what we wanted. Yeah. Well, and that incentive like that, I think one, just to be given that opportunity, but two, to your, to that point, there's still that internal competitive nature to a lot of us that, you know, you're right. We don't want to let maybe our partner down who we're hunting with, but we also don't want to let ourselves down. And, uh, so I think that definitely adds a different element to the hunt, um, that like you say, just drawing a tag and doing it either by yourself or maybe with a buddy is, is definitely different. But, um, I wanted to just go back to your comments about, you know, videographer and, and being on camera. That's a, that's a whole different world. Uh, and, and I've done a few, um, shows I've, I did actually, you were talking about New Zealand. I, went down and when I shot my tar and red stag, we did a, we did a video down there with sportsman's warehouse. And, uh, it, it's just different because, you know, there's, there's everything that leads up to the actual harvest of the animal. And then there's everything that happens behind the scenes and the setup and the staging. And, um, funny enough on my hunt in New Mexico, when I did hunt New Mexico, um, I did hunt on the tail end of Randy Newberg had the same tag as me. So he had the, the first season tag. So I showed up about five days with, left with his hunt, hunted with him for five days. And, and there was kind of that, you know, that whole piece to what he does uh, with his public land hunting. And then I had my hunt on the second season. But when you do those, um, those, those different hunts like that, where there is video and, uh, different personalities and, you know, you, you get the frustrations, you get the highs and the lows, you get, 
you know, if someone does arrow a bull, it, it's it's the best thing in the world. And then you get the guy that, you know, calls the bull in and shoots over its back, you know, and then he's just a wreck for like, you know, the next two days. And it almost becomes like reality TV. But I don't know what, what maybe how season one went and maybe what your thoughts are around kind of that whole videography process and kind of what that does for the actual hunt. Yeah, uh, it throws, I mean, you know, when, when you think about hunting competitions and there's been a ton of hunting competitions, really, I mean, you got big buck contests in different States and this and that, but the things that I always, that always make me reluctant to, to put in for those are you can't control the circumstances. You don't know if somebody's hunting on public land. You don't know if somebody's hunting on private, you know, private, you don't know like a lot of it. And sometimes a lot of that stuff can be manipulated and, uh, with Photoshop these days, you know, you can manipulate anything. So what we wanted to do is kind of level the playing field and then take that out of it where we could control that circumstance. So I went and partnered with, uh, make your mark productions. Those guys are absolute stud hunters. I wanted videographers that were hunters because there's just little nuances and details that you have to pay attention to if you're hunting and you're trying to film it. And so the first thing that we do is we always prep everybody, you know, about the cameras. And the the cool part about our show is the cameras are built for just capturing you and your buddy hunting. So a lot of our stuff, you're not going to see them talking directly into the camera unless they are dinking around with the cameraman and laughing about something or whatever. But most of the time they're just hunting and we're just capturing it. We're there to capture it. And season one, we had four videographers in camp, and so we had two videographers with each group. We had one with the shooter and one with the caller. And why that was, you know, really important was a lot of the times when you're elk hunting and you're calling for your buddy, you're 100 yards, 110 yards behind him. And trying to video that it can be frustrating, to say the least. And so we went above and beyond. We got really high-end cameras. I wanted it to be a really high-end show that you can tell is, you know, professionally filmed. And we spent the extra money to have two videographers with each group. So you're going to get some really cool angles of the caller calling and the shooter and what they're seeing. And I'll just tell you in one scene, you have the caller that's got a 360 class bullet broadside at 25 yards and the shooter has no shot. Mm. And it is the essence of hunting. It's, it just gets me excited to talk about it because of all the cool things that happened in season one. Um, the highs, the lows. Um, we do have a drop blood rule. So our ethics are at an all-time high. And I am a very, very ethical hunter. That's just how I was raised. And so uh, we have a drop blood rule, which basically says if you draw blood in any type of where we feel like it's a mortally wounding shot. I mean, if somebody skims a leg and we can clearly see that and there's a, you know, a drop of blood, we would probably override that as a, as a group. But mainly if there is a shot that is placed in anywhere in that, you know, abdomen area, that is their bull and they have to hunt that or that's their buck and they have to hunt that for the rest of their time until their time runs out. And so we were kind of talking, you know, me and you, Lucas, about what happens if they don't tag out? What if happens if we have two teams that don't tag out? Mm -hmm. And in Hunt Wars fashion, we always declare a winner. Um, and what I mean by that is at some point, it, like we, we had um, two teams that didn't tag out. We did a archery shoot off, which was an absolute blast. Um, we had five arrows. And each team got to shoot. They each had to shoot from 40 yards. Each teammate had to shoot from 60 yards. And then they dedicated one teammate that had to shoot at 85 yards. And it was a scoring system. And that's how we declared our winner. And if you think about it, you have $5,000 worth of prizes on the line for five arrows. You see some guys start really shaking, you know, trying to, trying to hit bullseye. So, we, we really wanted to just capture, uh, you know, as much fun and excitement and give guys an opportunity that they never could. And I feel like we've captured that in season one and I can't wait to get out for season two. And the more people that apply just brings us more, you know, opportunity to, to do more matchups and to have more people on the show. Yeah. And I, I appreciate 
you speak into that because that was that was a question in my mind. So, you know, we've all everyone that's archery hunted has wounded an animal, right? We've all hit an animal, never recovered it. And, you know, it's probably, you know, again, if you're ever at the lowest of lows, that that's it, right? When you've, when you've hit an animal and whether you think you mortally hit the animal or, um, or not, maybe it was just a bad shot. Um, you know, you, <laughs> for most of us, you know, you spend a couple days, you try to, you know, do the best you can. And, 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 and it is, it's just circumstances that happen. Um, jump the string, um, you know, hits a branch, you know, there's so many, so many variables out there that can happen, but it's refreshing to hear that, you know, that's, that's a part of, um, kind of the, the ethical or the code of ethics in this is that, you know, if you do draw blood and, and probably have, you know, good footage and video of it to try to go back and look and see, you know, was it a, was it a shot that, um, you know, was mortally woundable, or maybe if it was, you know, maybe just skiffed the top of the back and, and maybe didn't even draw blood, then, then that's something different. But I think that's important, especially when you, when you talk about the platforms that this goes on is that it is done in, in that format, um, because that's important, right? And I think that that's really at the essence of, of, of what this sport is about, is about doing the right thing, even when no one's looking and, uh, it's refreshing to hear that. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah, and just to kind of circle back on another thing you mentioned with the videographers, um, you know, whenever we talk about reality TV, it always seems like everybody cringes because reality TV in in what it's saying is usually, you know, real, but with all the shows out there now that are reality, it's like the most fictitious thing and the most, like, dramatic and, you know, it's not real. But this hunting show is as real as we can make it. No second shots. No, you know, you watch some of the hunting shows and, and I get why they do it in the cinematography part and the, you know, getting to the, the climax of the arrow getting released or the gun going off. You, you look at some of the camera angles and you're like, there's no way that that guy is that, that videographer standing there with the animal bedded at 30 yards. Like, <laughs> and so you kind of like, in your mind, you're like that, that angle doesn't work. Well, we don't have any of those angles. Like we don't, we don't want any re, you know, redoing the shot. I said, if we don't get the shot, we don't get the shot. Like you don't get the shot every time. And, um, we tried to best outfit our guys with the best equipment that we could. You're going to see a lot of guys that stock mule deer with GoPros on their head because we couldn't get the cameraman in tight enough with them so or the cameraman sitting back with his phone scope watching you know the guy sneak across the hill and then you'll have gopro footage um as well and we just wanted to make it you know real and we wanted to make it the highs and the lows and um i'll tell you right now not everybody tagged out and i'm actually really grateful for that because that's not hunting you know like you said sometimes you pass on bowls that maybe you look back and you're like ooh probably shouldn't have passed on that bowl. Mm-hmm. And other times, you know, you're looking for, you know, the biggest one you can possibly, and you're okay eating a tag. And so that, that happens. And it's so funny to listen to the, the, the athletes on the show come back every night at camp and they always are second guessing themselves. Like, Oh my gosh, we had this bowl in you know, a range. We probably should have shot him, but hold out for this. And, it just brings all that that you go through anyways in a hunt, especially on a tag that you waited 10 or 15 years for even more heightened because of the the things that are on the line. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's, I mean, the essence of what, of what this is, is, is pretty special. It's, it's pretty neat. And, uh, yeah. you know, and, and to your point about, you know, filling the tag, I mean, you know, it, to me, it's always been about experience. And, and I think what folks can probably draw away from this is, you know, it is a competition, but at the end of the day, when you walk away from it, right, I guess the first question I would always ask is, did I have fun? Right. I mean, it's going to be a grind. I've yet to ever do yep. anything where it's been easy, shoot the animal off the side of the road. I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't, I never have luck like that, but, um, you know, was it a good experience? Did you have fun? And I think at the end of all of it, if you do harvest and fill the tag, I mean, that, that just makes the experience that much better, but to be able to spend, you know, five to seven days, um, on something that's essentially completely covered other than getting there. 
um, and, and being out doing the things that we love to do. I mean, does, I don't know that it really gets any better than that. Right. And to me, you know, the harvest is, is always, um, you know, secondary to the experience for me. And that's just how I am in it. And that's become a progression. Even the meat is second and third to me, right. To the experience, to me, it's all about the experience, getting out and seeing different country, doing different things and just enjoying the moment. And that's really the essence of what it's about. Well, and you think about, and, and I agree a hundred percent. And when we, you know, when I thought through this show and I thought through this concept, you think about, you draw a tag in Nevada. Well, you got to go spend another 500 and something bucks, you know, for the license. And then you have to spend the gas and you have to spend the food and you have to like, it's a pretty, and if you hire a guide on top of that, you know, or you're doing it yourself, you're, you're going to, you know, there's, there's expense to everything and it does add or detract from the experience. And that's why we decided to cover pretty much everything we possibly could, because at the end of the day, it is, it's giving guys experiences that they never might've been able to do on their own. Sure. And that, that right there, uh, in season one, out of all, <clears throat> excuse me, out of all the teams that we had come out, that was probably the most special is guys left camp hugging and laughing and sad. And I've gotten so many texts from all the contestants from season one. That's like, just take me back. Like, I can't tell you how special that was to be a part of that. So that's what we hope to bring. That's what your hundred dollars is getting you an opportunity for is to be in, in a situation where you can go and just have, really you know the, the the pressure is kind of alleviated with like what are we really out here you know if we leave yeah we lost but you know we had an absolute blast and we got to spend time as brothers or friends or you know just just kind of hunters out there and i want to add one one little thing on that last year we had a team that uh called me two days before we were supposed to go to arizona and the guy blew his shoulder out um at work and he's like listen i can't pull my bow back and i have to be here next week for surgery um and so we had to literally go on instagram live and i told everybody i'm like i'm gonna be as transparent as i can we had a team that had fallen out so i'm putting everybody back in the hat we're gonna draw a name we're gonna call that team if they can't go we'll draw another name and we'll just keep drawing names until we find a team that can go and we drew a name and called this group of guys, uh, the Thompson brothers from Cedar City, Utah. They had just been at a total archery challenge and just randomly were like, hey, let's put our hundred bucks in. And, you know, ended up getting to go on this amazing Arizona mule deer hunt. And within the span of two days, got ready, got down there, and we had an absolute blast. And it, it just goes to show you that the concept works. It's an absolute you know, fun thing for us to put on. And I can't wait for the episodes to drop so people can all experience what we experienced. Absolutely. You know, Troy, this has been a really cool conversation and just to kind of, I guess, loop this back full circle. So you're talking about season one episodes dropping, where, where can people find those or what's the, the best platform uh, for them to view those on? Yeah. So First off, our Instagram gives you tons of updates, um, which is just Hunt Wars with a Z. Um, that way we're distinct. It's just Hunt Wars with a Z. Um, you can actually review, uh, view our show. Go subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is Hunt Wars TV. Um, you can also go to Amazon Prime and you can search Hunt Wars and you'll see our episodes pop up there. And then the third um, and our one of our partnerships we're super excited about is Carbon TV. So we are now on their platform um, and our episodes will drop on their platform as well. But um, those three platforms are where you can go view it. You can always check in on HuntWars.com. We have the latest updates on giveaways and, you know, applications and what the, you know, if we're adding hunts. And, and that's one thing, like, you'll know with me, uh, more the very other, like, Last year, I didn't get to hunt all that much on my own because we were filming the show. We showed up September 1st, and we didn't leave New Mexico till September 25th. So that th this show has kind of become my life, and I've absolutely loved watching other people hunt. And I've spent as much time in camp as I possibly can. So 
Um, that's kind of where you can view it. And, and uh, we'll be dropping new episodes. Um, we'll usually have anywhere from three to five episodes per matchup. So it's not going to be super quick and you don't get to see really what happened. Gotcha. Now that's, that's pretty neat. And I, you know, I, when you, we were talking earlier about that progression, right. And, and you said, I don't, I don't get to hunt as much anymore because I, I kind of get to view success through other people's eyes. And, and that's the essence of people that get to a point and, you know, I, I do some guiding here in California and it, it's the same way for me. I, I get to do plenty of my own hunting, but taking someone out for their first, um, let's say it's their first pig hunt or their first deer hunt, first animal they've ever, um, harvested or experienced. I mean, there's something so special about that, um, that sometimes, you know, when you view it again, vicariously through somebody else, it's, it's as fun or more fun. And uh, it's neat that that you're experiencing that a little differently than than others might. But um, again, it's just that progression and and kind of how we learn. And and uh, it's just again, I think what makes what makes the concept pretty special. So really neat uh, having you on, Troy. Uh, any last words or comments or anything to leave the listeners with? No, I mean, just I'm super grateful. Um, I've had a lot of of fun, successful hunts in my life, and. Um, like you said, I've met some of my very best friends uh, that I still keep in touch with in the back country of Montana or Wyoming or wherever we've been. And I just, you know, as hunters, more so than anything these days, uh, need to band together and find fun ways to reinvent the success and the things that we're doing. And so that was kind of, you know, what spurred me to do this this show and Thank you so much for having me on your on your show, and yep. um, I'm excited to, to bring this concept and, and make it something really special. Yeah, and you know, I think um, you know, just from kind of a collaboration standpoint, I think as as you get material, I'm more than willing to uh, you know reshare, collaborate, and then I think as you do your stuff in June, maybe we can, um, hitch onto that and do something, you know, if there's anything we can help with just kind of an exciting concept, something different, kind of, kind of, um, you know, changes the narrative a little bit and something out of the norm. And, uh, it's fun to see, um, you know, folks kind of doing stuff like this. So yeah, thanks again, yeah, Troy. No, for sure. I, uh, I actually think when the episodes drop, you know, interviewing the guys from their standpoint of like, Hey, what did, you know, what was your take on it? I, I interviewed them multiple times to make sure that we've gotten, you know, the show better and, and improve on what we can improve on. But it would be fun to do that. Or, you know, once we draw the teams, like talk strategy with them, like, Hey, what's, yeah. what's your strategy? Like, how are you going to treat this? Have you thought about what you're going to do day one? And I just think it's fun to kind of, you know, dissect that stuff as hunters. And so, yeah, I mean, content for sure. We'll have, we'll have our, matchups up on on and they can trash talk and you know do whatever so for sure all right so huntwars.com and that's wars with a z and then instagram you said is, is a is is a pretty um high followed platform as well so check them out there and then like you said your um your matchups will be available on amazon prime youtube i think believe hunt wars tv and then recently yep. just uh, etched uh, carbon tv which is also cool so very awesome yep. very exciting uh troy thanks again for uh, spending some time with us and uh yeah good luck with this and uh, yeah we'll we'll follow along and just kind of excited to see the success and uh, how everything goes for you thank you Hey everyone, this is Lucas Paw, host of the RNA Outdoors podcast. Please check out Podbean and iTunes. If you have an iPhone or iPad, go to the podcast app on your device, search for RNA Outdoors, and hit the purple subscribe button. When doing this, it will automatically upload when new podcasts are loaded and they will download into your queue. For Android users, you can access the podcast through Podbean, Stitcher, or use our website 
www.rnaoutdoors.com forward slash podcast. In addition, under the RNA Outdoors podcast channel, please leave a review and a five-star rating. These reviews help boost our popularity and outreach. You can also follow us on our social media outlets, Twitter at RNA Outdoors, Facebook, RNA Outdoors, and Instagram, Rod and Arrow Outdoors. All links are in the show notes as well. If you like what you've heard, we hope you'll pass along our channel to your friends and colleagues. Keep up the good fight. We cannot sit by and watch the public lands devoted to wildlife protection wither away. There's simply too much at stake. Make your voice heard, speak up, and get involved with conservation efforts. And know that every little bit helps. As we say on the mountain, go farther, stay longer.